Hi, I'm Christina Rodenbeck from the Oxford Astrologer, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Sally Kirkman from sallykirkman.com to discuss the month ahead, which is uh, which is Aries month running from 20th of March to 20th of April. And both of us do have um, active (laughs) websites. We do. We have lots of stuff going on on there, including in Sally's case, a weekly newsletter. And in my case, a monthly horoscope. Um, both of which are for subscribers only. So there's lots more information in those about the astrology and et cetera. Um, information and advice, I feel one could say, wouldn't you, Sally? Oh, yeah, information and advice. Yeah, absolutely. Guidance, cosmic guidance. Yeah. Um, lots going on there. So, yeah, please do take a look at our websites. And here we are about to get ready for Aries season. Yay! And one of the most important astrological events of the decade, possibly, uh, which is Pluto moving into Aquarius, but we'll be talking a lot about that later. Um, Certainly, let's just look back at the previous month. A little bit of retrodiction, I think, is called Mm -hmm. for because it's Mm -hmm. been quite interesting to see what's happened in the last you know, this, this, in this month, as Pluto's in its final degrees of Capricorn, yeah. and as Saturn is in its early degrees of Pisces. So they've both, you know, it's been a fascinating few weeks, hasn't it? Mm, it has. Um, and I, I love that, you know, when on the day sometimes a planet changes star sign, you get you know, you get what's what's going on. And one of the things I think we did talk about was the the oceans and with Saturn's move into Pisces. And and there was a massive agreement, wasn't there, between, was it 200 countries about cleaning up the oceans, which on kind of, March. yeah, on the day. So it's it's always kind of heartening to see when things like that come into, come into being. And, you know, the, the, there's the mirror as above, so below. There's a coincidence going on um i do like that aspect of it and yeah and a lot happening with <laughs> pluto as it leaves capricorn eh yeah, yeah exciting we um, banks? <laughs> yeah, hello banks so just to clarify I, there's a couple of things i want to add to that which is of course you know oceans is pisces so saturn the planet of boundaries moves into pisces and we get this treaty i mean the other disgusting thing that we had here was the small boat stuff um the prime minister literally had uh he stood at the very diminutive prime minister um stood at his petite podium but he had a sign on the front of his podium on the 7th of march that said stop the boats which was really Saturn and Pisces. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> don't get me started on it, but yeah, uh, yeah really, mm-hmm. really guys, you think that's a, that's a good thing to do it, in compassionate Pisces is not going to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> no. So uh, the other thing is Pluto in the final degrees of Capricorn and Silicon Valley bank plus mm-hmm. Credit Suisse uh, plus several other ones in the States. Yeah. Yeah. That, why do we know that this is, you know, why is that fit with the astrology? Well, when Pluto went into Capricorn 2008, Lehman Brothers happened. Mm. So this is the bookend to that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, Capricorn is establishment, isn't it? It's hierarchies, it's big business. And the banks, you know, are a huge part of that, a huge part of that. So, yeah, I mean, really interesting symbolism. And Pluto isn't done in Capricorn yet, is it? I know it moves into Aquarius on March 23rd, but it actually only really establishes itself in Aquarius in November 2024. We've got 18 months of it kind of dipping its toe into Aquarius, then going back into Capricorn, then in and out. So it is going to be, I mean, it's likely to be quite rocky financially and things do need to change, don't they? I mean, you know, this is... This yeah, is- the, banks, the Spank situation is not going to resolve quickly. No. People may want it to, but it, I mean, we certainly have this rocky period up until the end of 2024. And then I was looking, oh, we're plunging straight into Pluto and Aquarius, aren't we? So I'll save some of that stuff about Pluto and Aquarius. But, you know, that people, I, I remember, um, when Neptune went into um, Pisces, um, all of the Arab Spring happened, but it was really when Neptune was at the very final degree of Aquarius that that was happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of astrologers tend to be um, tend to be overly future oriented and not oriented enough to the here and now. Yeah. And here and now with Pluto is that here and now he, it, Pluto's at twenty nine degrees. Yeah. Uh, um. Capricorn, and that's partly what this is all about. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens with this banking thing when Pluto goes briefly into zero Aquarius and then comes back. Yeah, because that anyway, we'll talk further about that later in the podcast. Because I just wanted to, just because we're still on retrojection, I want to say congratulations to you. Oh, thank you. Why? (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) Your great um, Oscar predictions. Yeah, thank you. I mean, something happens. There's a, <laughs> I get these intuitive powers during the Oscars. I mean, it's, I've had such cracking predictions for the last few years. I always look at the best film, the director, the best actors, the best supporting actors. So I think there's six um, categories I look at. And yeah, I got five out of six, which is better than some of the, pundits that's for sure so really interesting using the astrology to to predict in this way yeah what was your most surprisingly anti um anti the pundits prediction this year um counter to them um one of my clients was up for an oscar but they didn't win really i was very kind of fingers crossed that's exciting i know i want to know who your client is but anyway (laughs) no no it's like you know not not one of the big name ones. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of people were going for Austin Butler as Elvis. I think he was a hot favourite, um, yeah. the best actor, and it was Brendan Fraser. Um, I mean, most of the time I look at what Jupiter's doing, the best planet. It tends to be what Jupiter's doing. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, no, it's interesting. It's interesting to do that. I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. And everything, everywhere, all at once, swept the board. Yeah, which is classic for um, that. Even the title is very much of our times. So that's a zeitgeisty title. It you is. Know, yeah. Especially, you know, and it's interesting, even that you're saying the word swept the board, that feels very sort of Saturn and Pisces as well, sweeping the board. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. One would win everything. Mm. Um, mm. 
Yeah, yeah. is Brendan Fraser, he's, is that for the whale? That is for the whale. Bit of a comeback role. I thought that's going to win because Neptune and Pisces, you know, got to have something called the whale win. And then I realized it's called the whale because he wears a fat suit, doesn't he? He plays a very obese person. Well, I think he does, but I think he put on a lot of weight as well for the role. You know, these actors do that, don't they? they? They have to, it's all consuming. They throw themselves into it. Consuming. The they become world-class pianists in five months or whatever, and <laughs> depending what their role is. So anyway, the the world of the glit and it was back in Pisces season actually this time, because they they'd moved it for a few years. They shifted um shifted it. And the Oscars should be in Pisces season. Yeah, you know, what are they thinking shifting it anywhere else? I don't know anyway. <laughs> really? So um, it's and it's a nice kind of, you know, there's it was just a nice sort of aside from everything else that's the big things going on in the world. I do love. Okay. Did you see Hugh Grant on the, on the red carpet? Yeah, I, I didn't. Well, I mean, yes, I saw what Hugh Grant was up to. Bless the little Virgo, eh? <laughs> he had a truthy moment, right? <laughs> oh. Did you see, it was really funny. I mean, I, I don't know if it was intentionally completely funny, yeah. um, but I thought that his interlocutor was very gracious as well, actually. The, the woman interviewing him, she managed to be gracious and he managed to be funny. So it was all good. Funny and snippy. Perfect for Virgo. <laughs> like picking at things, right? Yeah. What are you wearing? My, who made your suit? My tailor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we should be talking about Aries, not Virgo. <laughs> yeah. Well, who doesn't want to talk about Hugh Grant, though, given the opportunity? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Him and Colin Firth, they're both, they're born one day either side of one another, which was always great. And, um, you know, Bridget Jones, the two Virgo rivals. Anyway, we're going to Virgo. We need to go. (laughs) Right. Let's talk about Aries. Aries is like, what are you doing talking about Virgos? I'm the one. Um, Because, of course, Aries is the one for Sunny And we're just about to plunge into that with the, I mean, I, with, it's exciting this time of year, isn't it? When we have the, it's the beginning of spring. Yes. Yes. Um, we need it over here. I mean, it's, I have got sunshine outside today, but it's been pretty horrid. Um, which, so, you know, it's the equinox. Yes. Um, which is 20th of March. Of March 20th, 20th of March, sun moves into Aries. Yep. Um you know, and the sun likes to be in Aries, doesn't it? It's exalted there. It's It likes the fire signs, not surprisingly, because it's heat, it's warmth, it's light. So the sun, you know, does like to be in the first sign of the zodiac. And it is about it's where, I mean, the sun is always who you are, who you're becoming. So in the fire signs, there's this kind of presence and dynamism and motivation. And here I am, you know, it's kind of, you can I'm be changing especially Aries, wouldn't you? I mean, because it's cardinal, it's the first, it's number one, it's this pioneering, it's like the pointy end of the arrow. Mm. Um, you know, they they are, I mean, which has its good side and its bad side. I mean, who you don't always want to be the first doing stuff, but first in has got to be the Aries, you know? Um, yeah. Quite a lot of shy Aries, though. Do you? I mean, they're not always like this blustery that how they're portrayed. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think there's a lot of sensitivity to Aries. Mm. Mm. Interesting. I don't know too many of the shy ones. Actually, I'm just trying to think. Um, but, yeah. like, shy is not the way to put it. But ones that are not thrusting themselves forward exactly. Mm. 
I know a lot of sensitive areas, I suppose. I would maybe I should phrase it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, for me, the when I think of Aries, I often think of Vivian Westwood, okay. the fashion designer who, bless her, you know, she passed away at the end of last year, didn't she, in her 80s? Um, you know, and that colour and dynamism. But I'm, I also suspect that she had a shy, reserved side too, possibly to her personality. I don't know. Um, and there are a lot of Aries um, actors and actresses because it's such a good sign that it channels so well. You know, if you can just take the lid off the top of your head and let the God speak through you. That's, you know, an Aries thing as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This, um, the classic one for me is uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Sex and the City, independent woman. I mean, that Carrie Bradshaw was just, I think, a real, you know, fantastic Aries role model, actually. Um, Buffy, isn't she? Wasn't she also an Aries? Buffy is Aries. Yes. Buffy's Aries as well. Um, um, Michelle Geller rather than Buffy. I don't know when Buffy is, but her the actor person who portrays her is an Aries. Mm. That, she's got that martial spirit as well. Of um, you know, life for an Aries can be like a, it's like a battle. It can be like a fight. You go in and you know you're slaying demons in the case mm. of women. or mm. um, and that's not a bad way to spend your life, is it? Mm. Is to have that feisty approach. Yeah. yeah. Um, to um you know that you're not and one of the things that um i find with aries is that they're often brave yeah really brave people and that's brave not in the crazy well yeah. also in the crazy sense okay well, in the crazy sense and in the not crazy sense um yeah they're fearless but there's a, um, i sometimes you know brave or foolish i want to say or foolhardy because i think it, it is this is the fire signs isn't it they don't think things through. They just leap in. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes they're brave because they're just willing to say, okay, let's go for it, yeah. you know, without thinking things through. It's just action, action. And Aries, brilliant at starting things, not so good at completing things, but brilliant at new ideas, excitement, adventure. Um, so, you know, maybe the bravery is linked to that. Most of us talk ourselves out of things in our head. I don't you know, like, oh, no, couldn't possibly because we'll think of all the things that might happen. You know, I, I imagine most Aries who leap in don't do that. They just leap in. <laughs> and it's always a sign of partnership, of course. So it can be really helpful for Aries to, in life, to partner up with people, to kind mm-hmm. of restrain that kind of, um, not restrain it in a, in a harsh way, but help to guide, help to balance out. And of course their opposite sign is the sign of balance, Um, but help to balance out that fieriness because it's, it's ultra fire, isn't it? As you say, problems are finishing things. That's for sure. And that's why this it's like, here we go with spring. Mm. Mm. We're Mm. charging into spring. And shall we start looking at the month ahead, Sally? Because I, I extraordinary yeah uh, it's an extraordinary month it's so extraordinary in fact there are two new moons in Aries this year yes there are we're only going to deal with the first one Mm. because the second one is the eclipse on the 20th of April which we'll be talking about in the next podcast which is going to be all about eclipses and the eclipse season but this one uh for now we've got so much going on before then (laughs) that we need to discuss Mm. Ingress of Pluto. 
Yeah, I, I kind of feel like we should start with the new moon because it's at zero degrees Aries. Do we have a copy of it to put up for the... I've got a copy of it. I've got Jesus. it somewhere around. Let me find it. Um, you know, this. it's interesting because the the equinox itself, the sun's move into Aries, is already a time for fresh starts. It's already a time to kind of take the initiative, sow seeds, get things moving, the start of spring. But then to have a new moon right at zero degrees Aries is extraordinary, actually. Um, really extraordinary. I mean, it's, you know, the sun moves into Aries um, on the 20th, and then you get the moon joining the sun almost immediately, and they meet at zero degrees. So, you know, this this new moon is power-packed, isn't it? It's woof. It's a real whoosh of dynamic, forward-moving, go-getting planetary energy. I love it. Yeah, and furthermore, I mean, it's this zero, there's a power to that zero degrees any in any sign. Yeah. But when it's the zero degrees of Aries, that's the first degree of the entire zodiac. This is a real new beginning for everyone, wherever Aries falls in your chart. And the moon, you know, on the following day, will go on to make a conjunction with Jupiter in Aries, which is still, you know, buoyant in there, um, mm. which is mm. still expanding all of that beginning energy. Mm. Um, so, you know, I would suggest, you know, this is a great new moon or just after, as I always say, for, but it really is a great new moon for beginnings, right? Yeah. yeah. Start something f- fresh and tiny, you know, plant the seed, um, Yes. And it I it's really exciting for Aries, obviously. But it's also exciting for you know everybody else. I mean, so like cancer, it's going to be something to do with your status, your career. You know, you could want to start that new job at yes. this or at least applying for it. Um, you know, Libra, maybe a new relationship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Capricorn home and family. I mean, the cardinal signs, it's it's in your mode. So, you know, there's this cardinal leaders of the Zodiac. So this is a time, this is a time to take the lead, actually, to step up, really take the lead. Um, and for all the fire signs, Aries, Leo, Sagittarius, it's going to be in a playful or expansive sector of your horoscope. So, you know, for this new moon, really find where it lands in your horoscope and and use it to um, to be bold and take risks, actually. Jup- I mean, Jupiter there as well in Aries, which is, is again, part of that, being a visionary, part of uh, being having self-belief, being willing to play big. Um, so very exciting. It's a very exciting energy. And I'm quite pleased that, Chiron, that, that Jupiter has now gone beyond Chiron as well, because I found that uh, with a lot of clients is actually quite tricky if you had, if you were born with, for example, um, Chiron and Aries, um, which would have been people born in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that Jupiter transit across the crown kind of may have opened up old wounds. You know, um, I had someone phone me up. I think he'll be okay with me saying, and he said, why are all of my childhood issues coming up now? Mm-hmm. Again, and it's because of this Chiron, um, Jupiter on Chiron plus Chiron return for some people. Yeah, and Jupiter expands what it touches, doesn't it? So, you know, it, it breaks, it can break things open, Jupiter. It's the liberator as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so you may be able to 
resolve your childhood stuff by reopening it, but it's not always that easy. So I'm glad that Jupiter now has moved past um, Chiron. Yeah. And also, I mean, there's, you know, Mercury, the communication planets in there, it's conjunct the new moon. It's at five degrees. So, um, you know, I always think of Mercury and Aries as motor mouth, actually. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, that fast talk, <laughs> speedy talk. But Mercury will meet Jupiter at the end of this month. There's a Mercury-Jupiter conjunction on March 28th, and that can often be a symbol of of good news, or it can be really helpful for kind of teaching or speaking, um, getting things moving around communication, the spoken and written word as well. So a lot happening with Jupiter this month too. And also that, you know, Mercury making that contact with Jupiter is just really nice sometimes for Virgo and Gemini because you're ruled by Jupiter. Yeah. So it's just a, it's a good day, the 28th of March, maybe to to do something, to meet yeah. someone, to have a yeah. date. Yeah, so for Gemini, it's your friendship, group sector, being yeah. out in the world. And for Virgo, one of your money sectors, to do with money investments, but could be other stuff as well. It's that kind of interesting hidden sector of the horoscope. So it can be esoteric, metaphysical. It doesn't just have to play out in the in the financial or physical realm, actually, when you've got planets there. Um, so we have kept the big one, which is coming up on two days later, uh, which is the ingress of which is the entry of Pluto into Aquarius, um, which is huge news. I mean, it hasn't been in Aquarius since, uh, you know, for 200 zillion years, 260 years, is it? Um, And it will stay in Aquarius a really, really long time. But as we were saying earlier, it does go in and out. Mm. It goes to zero Aquarius and then back to 29, 28 Capricorn until uh, the end of 2024, but this is its first plunge into Aquarius. Yeah. And it's worth really paying attention to a, just what happens on the day or the day after 23rd of March, 24th of March in the headlines. Mm. Mm. And like we were discussing that ocean treaty, for example, which is really nice when Saturn went into Pisces, you see these things hap- happening in the zeitgeist. Mm. Um, as, of course, astrology is personal, but it's also mundane. You know, it affects the whole world. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of Pluto and Aquarius, Sally? Well, you know, and this is, it's going to be like you said, it's always interesting to see what happens on the day. But I always think with these slower moving planets, you get a sense that it's that zero and 29 degrees. You know, you get a sense of what's happening. And we're already I think seeing what Pluto and Aquarius is going to be in some in some ways. I mean, the rise of artificial intelligence, you know, Aquarius is the internet, it's the information, it's the networks. Um, and to have Pluto moving into Aquarius, you know, you can see this coming already, that we're moving into this kind of a completely new digital information world. I mean, the it's almost like the internet's going to go bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> and how we kind of source information is going to go bonkers because of technology and robots and artificial intelligence. I mean, I think this is one way that this is this is going to be massive with Pluto and Aquarius, and we're already, you know, seeing it as it as it comes to its ingress. Well, we've had quite a lot of Aquarian energy already, haven't we? 
because of the great conjunction in, in at zero degrees of Aquarius and um, Saturn in Aquarius and etc. Right. And we already had Uranus in Aquarius uh, and Neptune in Aquarius, which started off the internet. Yeah. And now the third of the great outer planets arrives in Aquarius. So those two laid the way, you know, in the mm-hmm. early uh, in the, in the noughties. Yep. When we had Uranus and Neptune. Um, and that's when we, you know, got the internet and all this stuff and smartphones, etc. And mm-hmm. now we're getting Pluto coming. And that, mm-hmm. he is a different kettle of fish. It's transformative. It may be people. It's interesting. People have made a lot of money off the internet already, but I, I wonder about when the God of wealth comes to the internet, whether we'll start being charged for stuff that we weren't charged for, for example. Oh yes, definitely. And also I suspect that much more control. Yeah. You know, uh, more control of the internet and um, realizing the power of it and the potential of it to make money. So yeah, definitely agreed. Um, but also they, you know, the potential, I mean, there's negative potentials with, Pluto and positive potentials. Mm. So Pluto is positive in that it's transformative, um, but it's also negative in that it can be uh, criminal or violent. So there will be more cyber. I mean, there's tons of cyber attacks anyway. I mean, and there's the dark web exists already, Um, but maybe we'll see more of that. Um, And that's where the need for rules will come in. So that's why it will be transformed, because it will become much more evident what's been going on behind the scenes already. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Pluto is this, you know, he wears the helmet of invisibility, doesn't he? But then he Mm -hmm. reveals himself sometimes when he goes into a sign. Mm -hmm. Um, So so these, we all know that, you know, Facebook and um, Amazon and Google, et cetera, are incredibly powerful already so it's slightly worrying i would say when you have this planet that's about power that's going into this into that internet-y sign however the good news is that or i think the good news is that the other side of aquarius is to do with equality yeah it's the sign of equality of 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 um, networks that are horizontal instead of vertical. So uh, Capricorn is all about vertical hierarchies. Aquarius is about horizontal hierarchies, isn't it? So I think there may be something that's going to happen, which is somehow, I'm not saying that all wealth in the world is going to be redistributed or anything quite so utopian as that, but I think there is going to be something about the redistribution of wealth, which is Pluto, in Aquarius, which is networks rather than hierarchy. So we are sick of the 1%, right? The whole yeah. world know about this. Yeah. And that is so um, Pluto and Capricorn. Yeah. And Pluto and Aquarius is not going to be like that. Yeah. I mean, it's well, it, it, at its best, Pluto and Aquarius is power to the people, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, the, and, you know, on the last um, Pluto and Aquarius uh, transit. I mean, it was the French Revolution, the American War of Independence. So, you know, is is power going to be given back to the people? I mean, that's that's going to be something definitely to watch with Pluto moving through Aquarius. I mean, the other thing, just to kind of 
um, go back to internet stuff. You know, the other thing that Pluto does sometimes, it wipes things out or it negates. Yep. You know? So, I mean, maybe there'll be a massive backlash against social media. You I know, maybe. Yeah, because at the moment, I mean, particularly the younger generation are just, you know, they're completely losing. This is that if you are on social media and your phone so much, you can't help but feel disconnected, cut off. So maybe there'll be a real kind of revolution around, right, let's get off our phones, let's get off social media, let's connect with one another as people again. You know, because the danger with Aquarius is that it is one of the air signs. And, you know, this Aquarius does have that ability to detach, disconnect, cut off. So that's another way that Pluto and Aquarius could possibly play out. And again, we'll see whether there's going to be this um, shift. Yeah, the word social network is literally an Aquarian word isn't it? Yeah. The social network. Yeah. Um, I, I, it may happen, you know, I, I would, I would beg to differ slightly because I think that older people are just as bad. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes. No, agreed. <laughs> I hate it. I really hate I it. Probably hate it. I think it's people, you know, um, and I, you know, they're great sides to the, inter- to this connection, you know, it's very good for people, especially people who are stuck at home. Mm. Um, and that also is really interesting is that we were sp- you know we had the internet then we had covid and it's and then we've had so we had and then we had saturn in aquarius so we were very much confined you know mm. and there was social distancing etc and now that maybe exploded mm. as you say with this sort of desire of, of people to actually network in real life irl yeah um, I think the other, you know, because <clears throat> people often ask me, you know, what's going to happen to me when it moves into yeah. a new star sign? Um, and I don't know how you feel about this, but sometimes I think with these, you know, the the slower moving planets, it's it's going to happen in one house of your horoscope. It may be important, but not always. I think what's more important when you get these slow moving planets is if you get transits of them you know, to a planet or an angle, that's when, that's when you're going to know what it's about more so than just looking at, oh, well, you know, Pluto's moving into my ninth and, and it's shifting star signs. I mean, what do you think about that? I think that you're right. And I think the most important thing to remember about Pluto is it's a process, Mm. right? Mm. Um, So it's a process. There may be something dramatic that happens if you have something at zero Aquarius, but it may be very internal as well. Um, and I was going to ask you as a Scorpio, whether you really pay attention, do you think it's more important for Scorpio? Do you pay close attention to these Pluto things? Have you found it's very, you know, have you found it affects you as a Scorpio? Having a ruling planet because Pluto, uh, Scorpio has two rulers. It's got Mars, which is the traditional ruler and Pluto, which is the modern ruler. Um, Pluto transits affect me big time I'm very aware of the Pluto like Pluto on an angle or Pluto on a planet I don't know so much the ingresses of it moving into a new star sign that doesn't it's not it's not as uh personal or it's not as important in some way not as significant no but when you know when I have Pluto on my sun and on my midheaven boy I've known about it <laughs> so um- that's true for me too. And I'm not, um, but I do have Pluto in the first house actually. Mm. Um, but you know, I'm not, 
a hugely plutonic person, um, yet any Pluto transit to any sensitive part of your chart is big, you know, and sometimes it's not, um, it can be transformative and empowering. I mean, this is something that's rare, that's not said enough, is having Pluto sometimes come to your son, for example, may destroy your ego, but then you're rebuilt stronger, you know, or yeah. it may, I remember when Pluto opposed my moon, which is a really hard transit to have. Mm. Um, it wasn't, you know, it can't, it sounds scary. Pluto is opposing your moon. Mm. And actually I did go temporarily deaf mm-hmm. that time. Um, not completely deaf, but temporary. I really couldn't hear. I was in Calcutta in India and there was, it was that when that tsunami hit the coast further down. Um, but it, my relationship with my mother was transformed. Mm. Mm. Um, and I saw her with new eyes. Mm. Yeah. The, yeah. The, uh, but the thing with Pluto's transformation is that it rarely comes about without some form of pain or challenge or difficulty. It's not just like, oh, I've had a transformation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely. That's great. Yeah. No, it's not just like, <laughs> is it? You've got to go down. You've got to go down to the underworld and, and really dig through the deep, dark stuff. And then you have the transformation and then you come back out. So, you know, that's that's Pluto. Um, that's Pluto for you. But that that's life, light and dark. Sun and moon, you know, we've got these opposites, these polarities playing out. Yeah. Actually, and I want one other thing I would add with the other time I, you know, when Pluto squared my son, this is just for people's benefit. I um it was really horrible the first time it hit. And then I um realized this was happening and I needed to do something transformational. And I walked the Camino of Santiago for that that summer of Pluto squaring my son and it was fantastically transformative. It's, yeah. you know, it was a, yeah. I was before and after in my life, before and after I did that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. sometimes if, if Pluto is hitting some very powerful part of your chart, it's you go go towards it, not away from it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, agreed. I was going to say exactly the same that sometimes, you know, look at how you can prepare for this. And that's kind of the, there is a side of, of Pluto that that's endurance, isn't it? It gives you that sort of relentlessness, that ability to to keep going, whatever. So the fact that you did a sort of a pilgrimage um, mm. and it's hard physically and perhaps mentally and emotionally is great. So, you know, it could be a really good time to take on something that stretches you, that challenges you. Um, and something that, it's completely different to the rest of your life. You know, it's like kind of, okay, let's just close a door on the everyday and do something potentially life-changing as well. I think that's a really good way to kind of embrace new Pluto energy. Um, so, so, yeah. Anybody who's got anything at zero degrees, right? Um, you have a look at your chart, anything at zero degrees, this is going to have some kind of uh, aspect from Pluto. It may be a... Uh, a strong one, a Ptolemaic one, that means 90 degrees or 180 degrees, you know, opposition, or it may be a sweeter and a slightly easier one, 120 degrees or 60 degrees. A conjunction is hard, I think. Um, and if this is how, ha- you know, if you have something at zero degrees, um, it's going to feel it. 
And also I know actually going back to that new moon mm-hmm. is the new moon is at zero Aries. So it actually is basically getting a, a pretty nice sextile from Pluto. Um, that mm. new Oh, it is, isn't it? I mean, you don't see it's a dissociate one, the one that you don't see easily because it's not in an obvious sign. But yes, it is. I mean, Pluto is kind of connecting to that new moon. Yeah. Um, it's connecting behind the scenes in a very Plutonic way, isn't it? It's wearing mm-hmm. the helmet of invisibility, but 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 it's transforming. I think it's also about you know, what Pluto's doing is leaving Capricorn behind. It's just that Capricorn is like hanging on to Pluto's feet, isn't it? You know, yeah. Yeah. and Cap and Pluto is attempting to get into Aquarius now, yeah. you know, it's stepped in and Capricorn's pulling, pulling Pluto back saying, "We, I want more transformation. I need more transformation. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, it's nice that this new moon in Aries is connected to it because I think this is the point with, you know, Pluto transits. They're they're deeply personal. They they transform who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, and the sun, that new moon in Aries, there's something about that that's very elemental and personal. So it's it's kind of a time to sort of almost take charge and direct things. and look at where you want to change, maybe with this this real powerful beginning to the equinox. Mm-hmm. I mean, should we move on and have a look at what else is going on, or do you want to oh, say okay. yes, <laughs> something Talk else? So forever, couldn't we? Um, yeah. So there's also well, we should talk about the full moon, which is the which is coming up. Yeah. Um, and and, and- just to say, I think we will be talking about Pluto forever because we'll be looking at it as so it goes back and forth from Capricorn and Aquarius for quite some time. This is not just a one-off. <laughs> we'll be learning more about Pluto as it reveals itself. I mean, you have to wait for Pluto to be revealed. Um, but yeah, this this I mean, this this month is a real go-getting month, everybody. Just to say, because on April, I think it's the 21st, so the beginning of Taurus month. Mercury turns retrograde and it's going to be eclipse season also in Taurus season. Um, So, you know, sun in Aries, ideally a time to kind of get things moving, sow seeds, start something, um, rediscover your joy of life, whatever it is. This is the month to, to really be moving things forward and fast and with lovely Jupiter there as well in Aries. Um, and very pivotal on the full moon, actually, because Jupiter by then, there's going to be also a Sun-Jupiter conjunction in Aries this month on April the 11th. So a few days after the full moon, um, we've got the Sun-Jupiter conjunction and Jupiter's next to the Sun during the full moon in Libra, which takes place on April the 6th. Hmm. Um, yeah, and that the it's interesting, the... Um... Actually, the Mercury retrograde, it's going to go into its shadow, I think, just after that full moon. Um, but really, everything else is still moving forward. You know, even though Mercury is going into its shadow and going to be going retrograde fairly soon, um, you know, this is a month with still has this forward momentum. I really think um, it's kind of exciting, actually. Mm. Um, and I think this full moon is quite exciting. Mm. Uh, mm. you know, it's a you know full moon is when things come to fruition yeah. and when you have a full moon that makes a conjunction when the sun is making conjunction to jupiter something really big may be coming to fruition 
Yeah. Of course, it's a it's a full moon in Libra, the sign of relationship. Yeah. Um, and Librans themselves may feel very kind of emotional around this full moon. It tends to make one, um, you know, over maybe overreacting a little bit because you're you're reacting against this Sun Jupiter. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is so powerful as we were saying at the beginning of this podcast you know the sun is actually also exalted in aries so Mm -hmm. an exalted sun making a conjunction with jupiter is a very powerful sun Mm, it is there's but there's a lot of kind of a feel of abundance and fertility i think at this full moon because the the moon in libra is ruled by venus and venus is really strong during this period in taurus you know, where she wants to be. She loves being in in Taurus, kind of fertile, fecund, comfortable, indulgent. So, you know, there's really kind of potentially positive month for Taurus as well, having Venus in your star sign. I think until about April the 11th, um, you've got Venus moving through, you know, steady, fertile, sensual Taurus in your star sign, making you more popular or attractive bringing in what you want so you know i love i love the fact that venus is in taurus oh yeah Um, i always love venus and taurus it's one of my favorite times i mean i'm hoping for a good spring it's great for scorpios of course venus mm -hmm. and taurus Uh, so that's the whole period up until the 11th of april um nice people coming into your life you know relationships isn't it so being around people you know you enjoy and you love I have to say, I've got, I was going to say, I've got a lot of um, visitors coming as well. So that'll be nice. <laughs> yeah. Also pretty good for Leo and your career, you know, when Venus is in Taurus. Um, yeah. And it may be a little um, foretaste for Leos of the incredible Venus transit that you're going to be having later this summer, you know, in the summer. Yeah. When Venus is in Leo for, I think it's four months, isn't it? Yeah. Really, really nice transit. And this is actually a really lovely transit. I also think that for, for Leo's, you know, this, um, the sun Jupiter conjunction on this full moon, this full moon just looks great for Leo. Um, you know, because everything is singing with your, with your sign. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. less intensity than it is for Aries, where it's like pretty strong, you know, this, um, whereas for Leo's, it's all about this expansion of horizons, you know, like it is stop, go travel, you know. Yeah, and also, you know, there's the Venus, Venus and Uranus meet in Taurus, and I think they meet at the end of March as well, so before the full moon. But there is for Leo in particular, there's a real theme of freedom and liberation and breaking free from something, doing something completely new. Um, and feeling like it's, you may just think this is the time to fly. You know, this is the time to go on my sabbatical or sign up to that course, whatever it is. But it it feels very, um, very freedom loving, I think, for Leo. And that 30th of March is when um, Venus and Uranus meet. And that's actually, again, um, kind of a good day. You know, we were saying the 28th of March is a really good day because of the Mercury Jupiter conjunction, but Venus and Uranus, I love that combination of energies. And this is in Taurus. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, it's a coup de food. It's a lightning bolt of love for some people, you know, mm-hmm. Scorpios get out there. Um, Scorpios, Capricorns, Capricorns get out there, you know, um, 
And yeah. it's something it's lo- there's something lovely about it, isn't there? And actually they're very close to the um to Juno as well on yeah. that connection. So there's a lot of really positive energy being stirred up this month, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there is. So make the most of it. I mean, absolutely make the most of it. Um also for cancer, this is interesting because Mars, of course, Mars finally gets out of Gemini on March the 25th. God, I'll be glad of that gone. <laughs> so, Mars, so Mars has been in Gemini since last August, right? Yeah. yeah. The end of August. And he has been wreaking merry havoc with many, many people. Uh, Just and, awful. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mars, uh, Gemini is the planet, one of the, one of the signs of mind, and I have noticed that there's been a lot of issues with it, mental health, you know, because Mars stirs this up mm-hmm. um, with people, but also there's been a lot of talk about mental health that I've noticed, and yeah. I don't even, I have to say, the term mental health is always slightly tendentious for me because it's like you know, maybe our mental condition, you know, um, are, are, you know, so many people have realized that they are neurodiverse, for example, in the past few years, which is a better word, I think, for actually how, you know, that our brains work differently, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody's brain works the same way. Actually, frankly, astrologers could have told psychologists this years ago, because, we know there are, you know, multifarious ways that people's brains can work and they are very different. Yeah. But this Mars and Gemini has stirred this up. Um, I noticed last night there was a TV documentary called Unmasking My um, Autism, mm. which I think is really about being a, a woman with autism and having it diagnosed late in the day and how that just explains everything about your past. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's one of the sort of kind of positive shifts that's come out of Mars in Gemini, bringing this to the fore a bit and having it more, you know, mainstream. Um, As a Sun Scorpio Aries ascendant, I would just like to say it's made me incredibly irritable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, and I've had to be careful. I've had to kind of rein in what I've really wanted to say at times, which is often our advice with Mars moving into Gemini. But I think for, I just want to say for Cancerians, you know, I think it's been a tough transit for Cancer because it's Mars has been hidden away. And now you've got Mars in Cancer as it is at this full moon. It's maybe a time to to be assertive, speak up for yourself. Don't let yourself be belittled as well. With You know, it's time to be expressive about um what you're really feeling maybe yeah yeah i mean yes and also you know it's interesting also that mars can literally be like a man or male energy um and i had my nails done i I don't think i'll ever have it done again but um because hands right gem is gemini gemini also hands um i had my nails done one of these nail bars because i do anthropology i've never been to one i thought it'd be interesting and uh of course a it's I can't do anything because nails um, with my hands, which is ridiculous. I'm like, God, how do people do this? You know, how do those secretaries in the 1960s with the beehive do and the long fingernails do that? <laughs> um, I can't. Um, but the guy, I had a guy do my hands. I thought that was so funny. You know, but I had, I had the one guy in the room 
Mm. <laughs> and it was a woman's it is a woman's space, the nail salon. It's like you go into like this female space. Mm. Um, which is also a, just an interesting experience. I recommend it to all men listening to this podcast. Go to a nail bar and have your nails done. It's fascinating. Okay. <laughs> How did we get on to nail? nail uh, I don't know. I was just thinking about the man doing my nails, okay. um, which I thought was kind of Mars and Gemini. Yeah, very Mars and Gemini, very Mars and Gemini. But um, Mars has moved on by the full moon. And I, you know, part of me is going to be sad to see Mars go out of Gemini because it's been, I've had a lot of thoughts you know, I, it's yeah. actually stationed on my moon Jupiter conjunction. And right now, as we're speaking, it's on my moon. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I haven't been, I have had to watch what I say. So I've been kind of careful not mm-hmm. to blurt, mm-hmm. which of course I'm inclined to do because that squares my Mercury, that conjunction. I've been careful not to blur it and careful about around other people because again, this is a you know astrological consciousness that I know I might say something or put my foot in it in some way, mm-hmm. um, which is the difficult side of it. But the good side of it has been a lot of clarity of thought. Mm. So I've had some very sort of sharp, clear insight with this. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> about this month, it's going to be in. Cancer. So this is a big deal for Cancerians, right? Yeah. Because uh, it's going to be, is it six weeks? It's still moving slowly. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be there for ages. It's going yeah. to be there until uh, mid May, Mars and Cancer. Yeah. So, you know, real time to kind of get back on track if you've not been on track for Cancerians, you know, where you're heading, why to start to start to line up some things to do as well when you've got Mars and Cancer. And, you know, interesting that when it's Aries season for cancer, it is Aries is your future path. It's your career. It's your vocation. So there is, again, it's a real time to be to be looking ahead, I think, and and putting new things in place. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an energizing, you know, basically it gives you energy. Um, usually Mars, uh, it does mean sometimes you should check your iron levels if you haven't got energy. Um, so it should give cancer, you know, wherever it goes in your chart, that's going to ha- be energized. That mm. section of your life is energized. So for Capricorns, you know, this is going to be an energizing burst of energy into your relationships, you know, maybe an energetic person coming into your life or maybe having some stimulating conversations. Yeah. And I was just thinking, whose health sector is it? It's Sagittarius's health sector, isn't it, Cancer? Is that right? Yeah. No. Isn't it? Yeah. Aquarius? Oh, no, no, it's the other way. I'm sort of looking at the chart sideways. No, it's Aquarius's health sector. Yeah. So, you know, when you've got Mars in in your health sector, it's a good time to kind of start something new um, Mm -hmm. on the fitness front. Yeah. Take care of your health. And ditto with Cancerians, you know, this is the time to do your fitness program. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mars is the physical planet, isn't it? And for Pisceans, it can be terribly sexy. Let's hope so. Um, you know, having Mars in your fifth house, you know, it's romantic, it's creative. It's You may actually get that creative project done at last Yeah. Uh, in this yeah. time. You know, it's a really great time to be charging ahead with it. And also, you know, your children may be doing something. Um, 
for this is for Pisceans in particular. Mm. Um, maybe like winning, you know, yeah. winning um, prizes. Yeah, winning prizes or cheering yeah, <clears throat> them on at sports day, that yeah. kind of thing. <clears throat> I, you know, it's also pretty good for Scorpios. You know, it's again, um, uh, it highlights that kind of learning and travel sector, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. Gives it a lot of energy. Mm. Uh, and then I always think it's very interesting. I like it when um, Mars goes into a person's like third house. Um, so this would be for Torians, um, because that energizes your brain essentially and mm-hmm. it stimulates the brain. It's really good, for example, if you're going into exam season, you've got yeah. the focus, you've got the energy, you can get the job done, you can write the paper. <clears throat> and so Mars is going to be helping everybody who's at university or elsewhere doing A-levels, that kind of thing. You've got, um, you know, if you've got Taurus rising or Sun and Taurus, you've got some very good um, focusing help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you could say the same for Scorpio too, couldn't you? Because it's ninth house as well. So um, higher education, learning. Um, So, yeah, you've got Mars on your side. Yeah. I mean, traditionally, again, Mars isn't meant to be strong in Cancer, is it? Because it likes uh, the opposite star sign Capricorn, where it can empire build and get things moving. But, um, you know, it, there's more of a, a, I often think Mars in the sign of the crab, it still gets things moving, but it just does a little dance. It kind of hops sideways a bit, it doesn't always go straight forward. So it's a sort of, there's more of a flow or a dance that goes on when Mars is in Cancer. Yeah, I mean, if you're born with Mars and Cancer, that's a different kettle of fish, isn't it, from the transit of Mars through Cancer? Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so anything else we want to say about this this full moon? I mean, it does look, you know, full moons are, it's a time when emotions are heightened. It's a good time for celebration. I do like this. I don't know what um, falls on a Thursday, this full moon, but a real time to sort of celebrate and be with community, actually, that sun Jupiter conjunction um it's gonna be easter isn't it it is actually is it the easter weekend yeah easter i think uh, it's easter passover boom you know um which you know that's so because it's a full moon right and it's a uh it's a movable feast Mm. um so this is the the easter it's it's really quite a powerful uh religious festival Mm. because it's jupiter is the planet of religion Mm. Um, and this year, Easter may feel very meaningful mm. um, or how feel more meaningful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. With Jupiter there. Yeah. Or, you know, Passover as well. Um, they're both um, festivals of certain amount of sacrifice, aren't they? Because mm. um, uh, Passover is the exile. And from Egypt, you know, is leaving Egypt, isn't it? And Easter is the sacrifice of uh, God on the cross. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's quite interesting that, you know, we've got this, we won't have very many more Easter's when Neptune is in Pisces. Um, and then we've got a few more before Pi- Neptune moves on. 
but uh yeah i think it'd be it's worth thinking about what that means generally and also it's interesting that saturn's in pisces too mm-hmm. i've been thinking a lot about how saturn in pisces is very much the the you know the the material and the spiritual attempting to come together which you see you know jesus on the cross is is um you know that is spirit crucified on the cross of matter mm. which is very saturn in pisces yeah it's interesting thinking about that around this easter tide yeah um, yeah it, i mean it's it's what what's used to become it's all kind of eggs Easter, Easter eggs and little fluffy bunnies. I mean, you know, nice, nice for being with family. I mean, obviously these these occasions often mean that families get together, don't they? And this is a lovely full moon leading into the Easter weekend if that's what you're going to do. But you know, I think it is this um, full moons are also interesting, looking at the more sort of sacred or spiritual side of Easter as well, and what it really means, the deeper message. Maybe that's something that we need to be thinking about and looking at more with these major, you know, transitions of the planets taking place. Um, well, especially since this, you know, this um, full moon Saturn in Pisces is actually making a very good sextile to Mercury, you know, which is the planet of thought. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's, and it's close to the North node. Yeah. Um, and about to turn retrograde. So it's actually pretty much uh, not about to go turn retrograde, about to go into its shadow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, a, and, you know, thinking about what security means, what we mean by security could be something that we think about at this Easter, about refugees, for instance, about what, you know, where there are wars where people are not secure and how are you secure? What makes you secure? Because yeah. of course it's the sign of security, you know, it's the sign of being safe. Yeah. Yeah, and Saturn's moving to Pisces and Pluto's moving to Aquarius. You could say that there is, you know, there is this theme of being more compassionate and thinking about, you know, the universal element of um humanity in the world, actually. And maybe that's one of the the plus things that can come out of these these planet shifting star signs, because we just have so much division. But there's this need for unity actually in the world. So perhaps, you know, these these shifts of the major planets are about that too. Um, yeah. each of us kind of looking at looking at what that means to us individually. Um, and how that how it's different for other people. I mean, I think one of the things that we're we're in this sort of weird <clears throat> liminal liminal period, aren't we? Of this period of great transition. Um, because the planets are moving, you know, the outer planets are moving signs and, you know, Neptune will be moving on and Uranus will be, you know, there's a lot of movement and yeah. we can see this in the world. It's a very uncertain world that we're living in. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are huge shifts in global power going on and that is making people feel quite unsafe. And I think that, you know, this is one of the problems with Saturn and Pisces is it can feel like the earth that you thought was beneath your feet is actually not there mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the things about maybe this Easter Easter um, season mm-hmm. is just contemplating this, this idea of security and lack of security mm-hmm. and what makes you secure. 
And mm. I think also that, you know, the other big shift is, of course, this business with the banks. You know, this is making a lot of people feel very insecure. Yeah. Uh, you know, people didn't, you know, what was it? Etsy for a moment didn't make payroll, you know, couldn't pay people for 24 hours. Okay. That's huge. Mm. I mean, that's a lot of small traders. This is not just like big banks doing mm. stuff. This is that affects everyone. And I think that's also part of the Pluto and Aquarius thing is understanding how our wealth in the world is completely interconnected. You know, it's a global system, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what happens moving forward. Huh? Yeah. Sorry, that got a bit serious, didn't it? <laughs> well, let's bring some triviality back in. <laughs> I mean, there are big shifts taking place. You know, you have yeah. to kind of contemplate what they're about a bit. Oh, well, Venus is moving into Gemini. That's light and airy. It is. It is. That's on the kind of around the 11th as well. I like this month coming up. I you do know, let's focus on the personal planets in particular and just sun in Aries. Yay. Let's go for it. Let's have some fun. Let's be dynamic. Let's get things moving. And then we'll come back next month and talk about eclipses and Mercury retrograde. This is the month to crack on. <laughs> yeah, we have. I mean, one thing I would say about this month, right? Is it is the month to crack on. We are heading towards a very make quite a major eclipse. I think I see that, and I think this eclipse is quite big, um, quite a big deal. This one coming up on the twentieth, isn't it? And we will the solar just- eclipse. The solar eclipse at twenty nine Aries. Yeah, it's yeah. quite a big deal. Starting um, the new eclipse cycle, isn't it? Aries Libra. Yeah. Um, so we're heading towards an eclipse, and we may also be feeling that from the full moon. Yeah. Um, onwards, you're going towards an eclipse. It's like a big, you know, it's like a sucking action, isn't it? It's like a big vortex pulling it, pulling us all in. Mm. That, that eclipse coming up. Mm. Um, yeah. So we need to talk about that next time. We do. All right. On that note, I think we should wrap up and crack on. <laughs> yeah. Great to see you, Sally. Looking so um, cheerful. Oh, well, thank you. And great to see you too, Christina, looking so lovely. And we'll see everybody else next month. Okay. Bye-bye. See you then. Bye.